0: Hello and welcome to Phoenix Thriving, UW-Green Bay's student success podcast. I'm your host Vince Lowry, the UWGB Director of Student Success and Engagement. On this show you're going to hear from faculty, staff, and students, both past students and current students. They're going to give you stories and advice about success in and out of the classroom, but you're also going to hear about their stories of struggle and even failure, because those are both steps on the road to success. Our goal to help you achieve your goals in the classroom, make connections in the community, and get the most out of your college experience. To be a Phoenix Thriving. Here we are, episode six. And this episode sees uh, alumni And former staff member Diana Delbecki joined us in the studio to talk about her UWGB journey, how it prepared her for a much longer journey that took her across the Atlantic Ocean to do humanitarian work at a refugee camp in Greece and then back again to Green Bay, where she continues to do amazing work in the community. Welcome Diana, how are
1: you doing today? i'm doing well vince thanks for having me on i'm sixth podcast on the sixth week of quarantine i feel special
0: oh i you know i'm trying not to count doing my best you know it's just one day after the other i think it's friday it could be tuesday (laughs) yeah um so uh so thanks for being on the show we're just gonna we're just gonna dive right in pull up a chair and, and tell the phoenix thriving listeners a little bit about yourself
1: sure So my name is Diana and I graduated from UW-Green Bay in 2010. Um, So I'm celebrating this year 10 years out of college. Um, And I actually studied psychology and human development uh, as a student there at UW-Green Bay and then I went on afterwards to work at UW-Green Bay for five years and absolutely loved my time both as a student and a staff member. Um, I got to see the two sides of the coin of the college and just loved every minute of it. Um, I'm currently working for the Green Bay Area Public Schools here uh, serving as a community school's resource coordinator, um, which is the first of its kind in the district. And we're launching a community school model um, at one of the neediest elementary schools here, and I get to lead that initiative. Um, so it's it's been quite a journey. I've done a number of uh, things since graduating and um, then going on and getting my master's and i just always feel like i get pulled back to uw green bay in the best way possible and so i'm just always glad to have it flow in and out of my life
0: all righty so so keeping with the theme of getting pulled back to uw (laughs) green bay uh we're we're gonna we're gonna follow you on the journey but let's let's start there take us back to the beginning of your uwgb journey um you you've hinted at i've pointed to and we're gonna talk about all the places that you've been the amazing work you've done but how did that UWGB education prepare you for what has happened since?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was foundational, really. I think that um, the dedicated staff that GB has, the professors and staff members, and the relationships that I built there prepared me um, to keep going forward in my own learning and my own education. And um they're the reason why I keep coming back to Green Bay and and working with staff members and uh, partnering on initiatives in the community uh, because we've maintained good relationships. So that's that, that's been huge in my life. And they're they're now my friends, professors that have turned into friends over the years that I can turn to and um, and rely on uh, during during tough times and good times in my life. Um, but Green Bay, I mean, as a place that is a small enough college and yet large enough for, for those of us that needed to be, it it really provides you a sense of home, and I felt that when I was at UW-Green Bay. I felt cared for in a way that um, I didn't feel at a college I had went to. I had actually transferred into UW-Green Bay. Um, I started my journey there in 2006, and then I transferred out, um, and then I ended up coming back. So the the pulling back to Green Bay is a, is a theme in my life. And I came back for that reason, that I I felt very disconnected at the college I transferred to. It was a large urban um, college in downtown Toronto. And I didn't feel like anybody knew who I was or cared about me. And the moment I stepped back on UW-Green Bay's campus, I was recognized by staff members in the student services office. And I hadn't been there for a year. And it just, it really uh, solidified for me that this was the right place that I needed to be. Um, and I I ended up thriving at college that second time around, coming back and really recognizing that um, life is what you make it, and, and it's really about being all in. And uh, so I, I joined um, groups on campus, and I got a campus job, which I was a commuter student, and having an on-campus job saved my life. It, it really helped me feel... Um, like I was contributing to my own education, and that I I had a purpose on campus other than a student. Um, So that really helped me continue my journey and and go through to graduation. Uh, And then just the relationships that I made with the professors on campus and the ability to do partnerships with internships or independent studies. And those opportunities that, at the time, I didn't realize um were so unique, but as I've gotten older and worked at um, other colleges or or you know continued my journey and, and met other people, it's it's a unique thing to be able to design your own independent course. Um, and take on internships that are new and have faculty members want to partner with you on those and that's just not something that every college offers. So it's as I've gotten older, I've gained some more uh, perspective and, and gratitude for those that went out on a limb for me while I was in school to help me get the unique experience I wanted out of my college education.
0: There's, there's so much to unpack there. I think one of the, the, the points for our listeners I really want to call attention to, particularly for current students or prospective students, the point you make about home, I think so often people overlook how important that is in, in, in the selection of a college, whether you're a residential student or a commuter student, that, that point you make there about why it matters to feel at home, to feel like you belong, to feel like, you know, the significance of people knowing your name, remembering your name, even a year later, how profound that can be, not just in picking a college, but as you said, thriving at a, at a college. And I wanna, I wanna pick up uh, two different points you raised there. You covered so much really important ground. So you're a commuter student and you know, one of the, one of the national trends is that oftentimes for commuter students, um, their challenge is getting acclimated to campus, to feeling like they're a part of the campus. And you talked a little bit about uh, the importance of getting a job and how that that helped you feel connected. But could you talk a little bit more about some of the challenges that you had as a commuter student and how you overcame them?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, a huge struggle I had at the beginning was really making friends. Um, we all have that kind of quintessential i quintessential idea of what college will look like and um, it didn't feel that way for me for the first few years because of the fact that I was a commuter and I was um, living with my grandparents at the time because they lived close to the college and so I kind of was had had a foot in in two worlds and I didn't I didn't feel like I made friends because I wasn't actually living and existing among the college students in the same way. Um, But after I got a job, not only was that providing me a sense of place and purpose, it also allowed me an an opportunity to make friends with uh, individuals that were not studying my same major and were not in classes with me in a way that I wouldn't have had those opportunities had I not stayed on campus for something other than studying. And those individuals I met at my job, um, my first job was actually with uh, the archives up in on the, the library with Deb Anderson. And I met my very best friend there and uh, have maintained that friendship over the last 10 years. And um, that's how that goes. Right. That Then I started to feel more a part of the bigger picture and was able to. Um, go in and see a dorm room, because I hadn't even done that, right? I, I wasn't living on campus, so I had no reason to just wander into a dorm room. Um, but it, it allowed me to break through the, the real struggle I had my first few years, really, of, of not really making strong friendships. I had, you know, friends you talked to when you sat next to them in class, or you needed notes, but I didn't really feel like I had that same opportunity. And, and getting a job on campus opened those doors for me and uh, it gave me the lifelong friends i have and it also opened the opportunities that i had later on to continue working full time on campus.
0: Yeah, the the thing i'm hearing there, you know, when i when i came to UWGB in 2009 and I'm, and i'm i'm betting you heard the same recruiting message, you know, GB pitched the 3 T's, toilets, <laughs> trees and tunnels. But i really think hearing you describe your UWGB journey, it really should have been the 3 P's purpose passion and place Absolutely. and those are such important words um, that that we often lose lose sight of in an education that is becoming increasingly vocational and even if you're you're engaged in a vocational pursuit those things can still be there and it's great to hear that that you found those and and i'm interested to hear you maybe talk uh, for a couple of minutes about those internship opportunities, those research opportunities that you had, uh, I'm assuming within the psychology uh, program, the ways in which those opportunities, what what we describe in the biz as high-impact practices, high-impact experiences, how how they set you up for life after UWGB.
1: Oh yeah, they they are the reason I feel like I I've taken the jobs I have ever since college. So, my first internship was with Future Phoenix. Um and that in that role uh, as the psychology intern, I got to tutor and mentor students at a high school level, and that could have been right the end of that experience. Um but I was very blessed to have Stephanie Cataldo Pabic at the time was the assistant director of the program and she was my internship supervisor and um, she encouraged me to follow my passion and as I continued on my um, internship and got to know more and more students and interact with them, I was at Preble High School, I, I learned that there was a need for um, these high schoolers to hear from college students, current college students, because a lot of them did not have family members that went to college or just weren't, uh, they were going to be first-generation college students when they got that chance, and they really had some questions. And so I ended up being uh, given permission to start my own after-school group. As a result of that internship, Stephanie let me um, follow that passion, and I started a, an after-school group on top of the internship that semester. And I continued running that after-school group for six years after that. I was able to turn that internship um, into an independent study the following semester and was given that flexibility and the mentorship I needed from staff to really shape that program and, and have it fit a need that both the Green Bay schools needed and that the students needed. Provided by the university in partnership with Future Phoenix, and it was a remarkable experience. And and to really be have that ownership and create something on like of my own doing and feel that support from those that were um, overseeing me has has shaped a path in my life. I that was kind of the the spark for me, and I grew very interested in helping to match needs and build bridges um, and create. Um, systems that will support those that can be long-standing. So we were able to, through the flight program with Future Phoenix, provide additional internship opportunities for other Green Bay students. As I grew older and grew in my role as the student employment and scholarships coordinator at the college, I then got the chance to oversee other psychology students running the the program I had created, Um, and that just was a humbling experience. Um, and going forward with with all the jobs I've had, I've I've taken only one position of my you know post college life that was a structured position. All my other positions have been brand new, and I've been the first to fill their shoes. So I've always had this unique trend in my life of kind of creating stuff out of thin air. Um, which I really look back on that that internship I had and the the faith that these uh, mentors put in me to do that work. I don't think if it, my life would look the same if I hadn't had those people at that time believing in me and saying, yeah, you can do this. You can go for it. We're here to catch you. Like, we'll support you. you if you're willing to do the work, we're willing to, to support you in it. And that has, has reshaped how I look at the world around me. And I feel much more capable of being able to create those things um, in, in the life and the communities I exist in because Of people believing in me, which I just, I get emotional thinking about it because it really, I, how would I have done the things I've done since without people at Green Bay really standing behind me?
0: Yeah, I think, I think there, there are some really important points that you bring out there. I mean, you really made it your UWGB experience so often. People feel confined they feel sort of you know sort of bound by your particular structure a particular expectation for an educational experience and what your experience shows clearly is that no this can be an education that, that you that you make it into be that the opportunities that are available uh, you know there's so much data out there that says you know the job when you graduate may not have been the job that existed when you started and 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 the fact is, as you describe it, you're making those opportunities. And so I want to kind of like now travel down that road with you. And 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 you've already sort of hinted at the answer to, to my next question, which I'm going to preface by saying, and I'll tell our listeners, I told Diana this question was coming and that it's going to sound like a strange question but it comes from a good place, and a place of, of interest, of inquiry, uh, a place uh, that I hope kind of is, is gonna serve it to educate our listeners. So you're in financial aid at UWGB, and, and you go from working at UWGB, you cross the Atlantic Ocean, right? I mean, that's kind of the transition, you go from GB to Ireland, right? Yeah, and then from Ireland to Greece, right? It's this human rights journey. There are lots of journeys we talk about on this podcast. Yours is another unique journey, one that that literally spans an ocean uh, and a sea, um, or two seas. Uh, why human rights? Why this journey? This this uh, this um, embarkation across the Atlantic, work in refugee camps. What what took you on that path?
1: Yeah, it, it really all started with the work I did with Future Phoenix and uh, being exposed to students in our community in Green Bay that um, hadn't had the same opportunities that I had. And uh, through my work with the Future Phoenix program, I was exposed to a lot of really um, dedicated students that happened to be undocumented and were were then unable to reach their dreams of higher education. And because I was in financial aid, I had the unique perspective of really um, seeing how the cost breaks down and how um, affordable it can be to go to school if you have um, the eligibility for federal financial aid, um, and then just how out of reach it is if you aren't able to get that support. And um, for the students I encountered while I was working in financial aid um, and in the schools, it broke my heart to know that these students that had um, had been working all their life to go on and study um, whatever their heart desired weren't going to be able to follow that same path that they had hoped they would, and so it really it led me to wanting to learn more about the the human rights um, framework and understanding. Why? Why do we assign certain rights, you know, to to certain people, and and based on citizenship? And um, what is citizenship? I had all sorts of questions. I had no clue, and I I chose to go study abroad um, in hopes of um, really justifying quitting my job because I loved my job. I loved working at GB, and I knew I couldn't do a master's program uh, without. Uh, I didn't want to split my time in that way. I wanted to really fully dedicate myself. So I moved abroad to Ireland and studied human rights there, and um, it was through my dissertation and really studying um, rights of undocumented, like human rights to education overall, and really looking at undocumented and stateless persons across the world and their right to an education um, that I really became passionate about, just. The right to um, have a quality education, regardless of of status, and that led me during my time and my master's program um, was was when 2015 uh, happened and the Syrian crisis really grew um, worse and worse, and we were seeing um, refugees come across the um, Aegean Sea and landing on the shores of Lesbos and and the Different islands in, in Greece. And that was all over the news in Europe, of course. And I just felt compelled to try to make a difference where I could. And it, it happened that I was recruited for a position in a camp in, in Greece where I could actually do the research I wanted um, around um, youth, refugee youth, and their access to education as, um, you know, re- refuge status of refugee in a transit country. Um, and it was fascinating work because this is one of the crisis, one of the first crises we're seeing um, youth populations, unaccompanied youth, at high rates. I mean, 30% of all the refugees in Greece Um, still today are of the age demographic of 15 to 25. And so they are the age group that are thinking about their futures and needing to plan for their futures, and yet there aren't really any educational pursuits for them. Um, And so I was hired on to really study that and see what pathways were available for these refugee students of student age to continue studying without the infrastructure of a formal uh, university setting. So that's what led me to Greece. Uh, What kept me there are relationships. And I stayed for about six months um, working on the ground there, continuing to do educational access work as a result of of just kind of um, feeling that pull to remain and do all I can
0: yeah and and i've heard diana talk about this work she's talked to to various groups on campus visited my class once i mean it's really an amazing story to tell and to hear what people went through how you contributed to to their efforts um as as you note there and I'm, i'm curious i mean we could record an entire episode just about those experiences and 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 how um how you navigated that world how it changed you but it but i'm I wonder if you could talk a little bit about what you learned from that work, about yourself, about others, and, and in particular, uh, something I've been thinking about late, lately is is the ability to of an individual to affect change in the world. What did that experience show you?
1: Yeah, there's a lot it showed me, you're very right. I, I'm guilty if I could talk about it forever. Um, I think as I especially look back I'm I'm having, in a way, a lot of similar feelings these days with the current um, stay-at-home orders and the, the feeling of, of a crisis moment um, that I did when I was on the ground, actually, in that kind of crisis situation. Um, and what I am seeing now and what I, I felt and saw then is just how, how genuinely good people are um, and how... We can make a a big difference in the world. it It's a matter of um, really doing something, right? and being out there and and putting get, just being available. I, I think that that's the biggest thing I learned is just simply being present and. Um, we all have some of our our own ideas of like what is productivity, right? Like how productive can we be, especially during these times we think, oh my gosh, we have all this time, we can be so productive. And um, when I was in Greece and really um, spending time with people, I was able to recognize that I could do so much, right? I could could deliver X amount of food bags to all the ISO boxes in a day and check that box when I got back to my accommodations at night. Um, but what was actually more valuable was sitting with people and, and giving space to have a relationship and hear their stories and give people a chance to grieve or to share or to, um, you know, f- feel, feel valued and seen. And I think that that is what's so interesting about crisis situations of we, we know we can rush and, and be superhuman and do all the things that need to get done. Um, but I would encourage people not to lose sight of the human factor to this, that there is a real pull to still recognize the humanity in all of us and honor that. And that was a huge lesson I learned being on the ground because I came there very naive and very like, let's just do the work. Let's put the blinders on and like, we'll serve as many people as we can and we'll distribute as many things as we can. And, um, and the longer I was there, the more I was like, none of that matters. Like we are, we are all experiencing the most new thing we can and this is new for all of us. So no one's an expert here and we need to be humble and, Um, We need to just be in relation with one another. And so I think, I mean, even right now, that's what I have to keep reminding myself of, that it's so important to value the relationships in our lives now more than ever, because we can get blinders in crisis modes um, and feel like we need to just do, do, do. um, And that that's not going to be what anyone remembers, right? Like when I look back at the time I spent in the camps and the people I still have a relationship with, we don't talk about any of that. We talk about that time we, shared an iftar evening meal and you know just had time with one another so
0: yeah i think you know if i if i try to piece together all the different elements of your story that that idea of home that idea of place even for a, a, a people without a home a people without a state uh to have that created in in the most the most dire of circumstances the most unimaginable of circumstances and 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 as you point out i think the interesting parallel though there with the 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 pandemic in the sense that you know we're all being told to stay safer at home and yet being at home, confining ourselves um, if we're able to, or even for those people who don't have a home in which to confine themselves, or maybe don't have a safe home, that, hot, that concept of home is, is relative, and it's ever-changing, and it is dependent. I think the point you make there is so important in no matter the context we're talking about. Home is a concept that begins with those relationships.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well stated. I, I'm gonna steal that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Go right ahead. Go right ahead. Uh, so, so you you come you come back. You're you're in a couple of different roles in the area. You get involved in area schools. Now that role has been formalized. You mentioned the community school uh, program being launched. I, I'm interested to hear what has the experience been like for you to to be a part of the lives of. Of young people in the Green Bay community who have been on on journeys that you've seen at different points in the in the process
1: it's It's been really rewarding. So I when I returned back to Green Bay after spending some time in Greece, I was really lost and felt um, really guilty for, you know needing to to come home in a way um, here. and I got involved then with resettled refugees in the area. And um, it's been really rewarding to do the work on this side of of the journey and and hope and pray that those that I worked with in the camps on um, that tra- that uh, transient trajectory of their journey. That they're receiving the same kind of supports that I'm providing here in the countries they landed in. So the friends of mine that are in Gree or Germany, sorry, or Sweden, and you know that they're that they're experiencing the same kind of uh, welcome that I hope that to provide here for the families I work with, and um, that's just been the most rewarding part is to be able to work with teenagers that are resettled refugees. Um, in my own community, and hear their journey, but also just talk about their futures and what they want out of out of their new life here, and how can we as um, as fellow community members and neighbors help build those bridges together and really welcome them into their their new community and help them feel at home. Right. So it's it's been the best work I could have ever imagined. I I got to start a small youth group that has just turned into, I don't know, the best thing that could have been, right? we We started just meeting regularly like I did with my old group at Preble. And it was just a group of young um, Somali refugees. and and that has turned into a a published book um, of their stories that we have been able to speak to community members about and really help the students themselves see. Um, see themselves as active citizens in their own community, which has been um, just a, a hope and dream of my own. Um, so I just love that I got to kind of come for full circle where I helped the, the students, the teenagers in the Ritzona camp. And now I've been able to kind of full circle help the teenagers here on the other end.
0: Yeah, and I, I think what's great about the, the work that, that you just described is that it didn't start as something. I think so often people feel pressure to have an idea or an initiative fully formed. And you've talked both about your work more recently, but also uh, when you were part of the Future Phoenix program. That work didn't need to start as something that was fully thought through, fully developed with funding or with a clear structure. It just was born out of relationships that you developed and a recognition of the need. And then people rallied around those two things.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that, I mean, I feel like that's the best possible scenario for me. <laughs> yeah, I just, I feel like I've been so lucky that I do get to follow um, it, with, where the relationships are and really build focus on building relationships and let the rest of it come after I really I, I feel like it's It is very human rights, I mean, if anyone knows the human rights uh, framework and the bottom up approach of human rights, it is very organic and that that seems to be the approach I've had in my work all along. And so when I found studying human rights, I really strongly identified with it for those reasons that I I just firmly believe in listening and building those relationships and, and really serving through like their voices, like who what do what do people need and how can I best support that versus assuming what people need and providing stuff that, that isn't necessarily going to be successful.
0: Yeah, and I think what's, what's great, I, 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 will, I will preface my final remark here by saying that most guests on this show receive a complete script. I promised, but then failed to deliver a complete script to Diana, but she got to the point that I was going to uh, ask her to get to, which is the advice. If you're a student, a staff member, an instructor out there, and, and, and you're looking for some kind of uh, civic-minded inspiration here in the story that Diana has told us, that her point there about relationships, about allowing things to take shape organically, you know, I've talked before on the show about trusting and valuing the process. And that's what she's laying out there, the key steps in the process. Maybe you don't know where to start. Maybe you feel like the world is too big you don't have to change the world and you don't have to have a fully formed organization or movement to change the world everything has to start somewhere and it starts with as she said relationships diana i just want to i want to thank you for being on the show today we're not going to let you go quite yet you still got to go through our three final questions um, which hopefully you, you you've had a chance to prepare for the three questions i did prepare you for and send you in advance um, but uh, thank you so much for being on today's show, for sharing your UWGB journey.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Every guest has to answer three questions before we'll let them go. So Diana, here come your three questions. We'll start with a time machine question. If time machines existed and you could violate the first rule of time travel, don't interact with yourself and go back in time and give yourself advice on the first day of classes, what would you say?
1: Hmm. I I would absolutely tell myself that you don't have to have all the answers and that in fact, there isn't any one right answer. And <laughs> so your life is gonna take you in so many places and really the focus of college is to work on building yourself and building and developing the skills that you'll need for your lifetime. And so really looking at recognizing what you're supposed to be getting out of college. You're, you're there to develop yourself and not to, um, look for the right answer.
0: Yeah. I think that's, that's so important. Everybody's got to feel like they get, feels like they have to have everything figured out.
1: You don't. You don't.
0: I, I don't have anything figured out. <laughs> I, I'm still Yeah. <laughs> I, You know, here I am creeping on up on, I think, 42. I always have to do the math to figure out how old I am. I'm still trying to figure stuff out. It's 18 years old. The great line I heard once, uh, this was a Banksy line, I think. That at least that's who it's attributed to. You know, we expect uh, first-year college students to have everything figured out. But for those of them who were straight out of high school, four or five months ago, they had to ask permission to do anything. Um, and so how can we possibly expect that everybody to figure everything out as if that summer after high school magically informs? So college is about connections. You've talked a lot about connections, but we're gonna probably pin you down to one particular connection. If you think about your time at UWGB, what do you what's the most meaningful connection you made whether it was with a peer, a staff member, or an instructor? <laughs>
1: So I have to be like Daryl and I can't just pick one person. I I I sat for a long time Vince and tried to think and I had a list so long because I I just am so grateful for the relationships I have made and every single one of them has been influential in my life. And so I'm copying out and telling you instead it's it's UWGB as a whole. It is the uniqueness that UW Green Bay is and the people all every single one of them that do, that literally make up who who the college is and and what it stands for that has fostered such a strong work ethic in me and an internal motivation to go further and be better and be passionate and keep learning and I mean every single person that it, at UW Green Bay has has helped foster that in me with their own drive to to do better and to keep learning and to be innovative and to I mean it's remarkable but as I have grown older and gone to other universities and worked with other universities I keep going back like oh my gosh we are the coolest college <laughs> we have the best people working at UW Green Bay um, and so I just, I, I can't name, I mean, I could name everybody is the problem
0: because well, that,
1: that, every single person is the best. That's okay. Well,
0: we're, we're going we're gonna to let that, we'll let that answer uh, work. So, all right. Last question. Um, I'm going to ask you to pick one and recommend. We're now really deep into this quarantine. People are trying to find escapes. Uh, something to listen to, something to read, something to watch or something to do. What's your advice to the listeners?
1: Okay, so. I think this is the best time to write snail mail to everybody you know, and also maybe people you don't know. <laughs> so I think this has been, and I think I'm going to challenge people to do that. Write a letter to somebody, write a card out and mail it out. Um, it's so rewarding to get mail in this time and to send mail. And I've had a lot of fun mailing things to Friends of mine or some of the students at the elementary school, I've been mailing them stuff or my nieces. And I just I get a lot of joy in that. And it it helps keep me connected in a way that is um, less virtual. Right. Uh, and I just feel better when I do that.
0: And, and that's the same advice that the United States Postal Service is giving. I just saw this See? last night. They were, they were <laughs> tweeting out. Although I think they need to provide a tutorial on how to actually mail something because uh, <laughs> a, a lot of people aren't accustomed to it, and they, they forget where the stamp goes, how do I address an envelope. Uh, so we, we, we need a refresher, right? We need to turn back the clock. So uh, before I let you go, I want to give you an opportunity to plug the book project that you referenced earlier um, you and uh, the authors were featured at the Titletown Book Festival uh, last spring. If you could just take a moment, just let everybody know the title of the book and where they can pick up a copy. Absolutely. I would love it. The
1: book was authored by 12 young women uh, between the ages of 15 and 22. They were all uh, living in, in Green Bay at the time, and they have um, written and published a book called The First Winter, And you can find it online and order a copy that I will happily mail out to you with some snail mail um, at United Resistors. It's R-E-S-I-S-T-E-R-S dot com. And you can just go on there and you can PayPal and we will get you a copy of the book. It's a short stories um, and poems that just tell the narrative of, of a refugee story and Um, resettling here in in Green Bay, Wisconsin. So it's a really beautiful tale authored by these 12 inspiring young women, and five of them go to uh, UW-Green Bay now, so we're super proud.
0: Yes, and three of them were my students, um, and uh, just this last year, uh, a year ago, um, and I had the uh, good fortune to be able to attend the event at uh, the Titletown Book Festival, Do Yourselves, A service, do this group a service, and listeners go out and buy this book. It's such an important story, a series of stories to hear and to learn and to understand. Thank you so much, Diana. I really appreciate the time you've given us today.
1: Thanks, Vince. Thanks for wanting me on the show.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Today's quote comes from Gandhi because it felt like the typical quote about success wouldn't fit today's show. From Gandhi, the best way to find yourself is to lose yourself in the service of others. I sometimes worry that we're being pulled into individual individualistic habits and lifestyles, something even more uh, significantly impacted Um, by our current uh, physical distancing, that we're forgetting we're parts of communities, not one community, but multiple communities. One of my messages often to students is to seize the opportunity to be a part of a community, to learn about its members, the relationships between them, how they coexist, and to affect change in the lives of those around us. A book that was referenced on a previous show Kevin Gannon's Radical Hope, a Teaching Manifesto. Uh, Gannon talks about how a college education offers a unique opportunity to transform ourselves and those around us for the better. Whether you're a student, a staff member, instructor, that should be our daily motivation, to seize upon that opportunity, to transform ourselves and those around us, to create a better future, to create better communities. Once again, thanks for checking us out. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you have any questions, email me and strike up a conversation. You can also find us on social media at UWGB Thriving, both on Twitter and Facebook. Give us a follow and send us your thoughts on the show. And be sure to watch for future episodes. We've got some exciting guests lined up. And each week, you can count upon this show to bring you unique perspectives, firsthand experiences, and advice you can put to use in your educational journey.